And welcome back to another finally episode installment of your interleague podcast. My name's Chris. As always with me is Spags. And today we're going to bring you probably a whole lot of nothing. But it's not our fault. It might have been our fault that we were gone two weeks. But it's baseball's fault we got nothing for you. But we'll bring it back for you. We'll try to make it entertaining. And we'll talk about some other stuff. So strap on in. Welcome back to the show. Friends and family. I don't know. Spags, how are you? How are yep. you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, has been a few weeks. Um, I think we knew, you know, kind of around like the, like, well, I don't even remember when the last episode we recorded was. Was it like right um, after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we just missed the last two Mondays. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so right around the end of November. Yeah. Yeah, the 29th. Yeah, we should have recorded. <laughs> yeah, but we knew that, uh, you know, it was going to be kind of hit or miss. Um, we knew going into December that there was the pending CBA conversation. Um, we didn't anticipate that there would just be a full-on lockout instituted. Um, <laughs> you know, right right as the, the deadline hit. But, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, not not a whole lot. Um, it really doesn't seem like they're trying. Yeah. You know, it seems like we're just okay in vacation phase, which I'm not mad about, but like, at least they just be like, Hey, you know, like we just know everyone's cool. Like we're just taking our time. Like, you know, as long as like really like, like spring training doesn't get affected and all that shit. Yeah. And, and with like the little bit that I've read, like just from like different sources or other people's opinions, um, from guys that are, you know, been in the league, you know, reporting on baseball for a while is that they think that the new calendar year, because there was uh, reports that just came out that the owner's side doesn't anticipate, or the, the players' union that rep made a comment that they don't expect to hear anything from the owner's side until the new year. Um, they'll get through the holidays or whatever, and it's fine. Um, but there, it's already started to impact some things. I mean, obviously we had a large amount of contracts signed before anything happened. But it, to me, like, I think with what's going on right now, it shows like the true colors of what we anticipated for the league. Um, so I went back and looked at like what our notes were for our last episode, like right before this happened. And from a CBA discussion, the only note I made like verbatim was, not much here other than the shifting of the tender deadline and Manfred stating they aren't making most of the discussions public. Owners and MLBPA have been meeting almost daily for my understanding. Contract expires on 12-1. So I applauded Manfred for his stance and when people were asking about it, that he was like, oh, hey, well, you know, like we're talking, we're meeting, both parties are being aggressive. We're trying to make this happen. We don't want there to be any work stoppage. You know, so we're, we're doing what we can, but we don't think it does anyone any good to talk about these publicly. It's like, cool. All right. You guys learned. You guys utilize the media and the fans as, you know, leverage during the COVID conversations. 
I feel like for the most part, people were relatively unhappy that that's the way it played out. So keep your mouth shut, keep it internal, figure this out. Let's just move on with our day. So fast forward two days from when we record, the lockout gets instituted. And the first thing Manfred does is a letter to the fans of baseball. And all that did was drag the MLBPA through the mud. Like we did everything we possibly could. This is all on their end. They think that free agency's busted, but look at all the money we spent. Like, yada, yada, yada. Like, it's just like, come come on, man. Like, anyone with half a brain knows that the COVID negotiations that you guys did were packaged in the same deal together five different ways, biding time until either <laughs> it was exactly what you wanted or the season was just going to be canceled. You know, like, no, no one represents the league. And... There isn't, there isn't anyone that should like that. It's not anyone's job. Um, I was always under the impression that as a commissioner, so like not, not to say that like my league is anywhere near as complicated or valuable as MLB clearly it isn't. It's just a little podunk bullshit, 16 man fantasy league that no one probably, probably some of the 16 guys in there don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> so, um, but for me, I feel like my responsibility in that role is not the betterment of me. It's not all about what I want. It's whatever needs to happen for what it seems like is the benefit of the league. Like, I want me and the 15 other people involved to enjoy said fantasy league. I want it to like it to be successful in the realm of what would make a fantasy league successful. I always thought that that's what like Rob Manfred's job was as commissioner was like a mediator or like a middle ground between the MLB owners and the MLBPA. So it'd be like, you know, the owners vote and do whatever. And then you have like the players that vote and do whatever. And Tony Clark represents them. And then I like, it is now my understanding that like Rob Manfred is who represents the owners. So Manfred isn't in it for the players. He's in it for the owners. Like he is the voice of just those 30 rich assholes. They hired him to represent them. Yeah. And, and it's fine. So, so knowing that great, he, he's doing his job, but whose responsibility is it then to make sure that baseball doesn't suffer? Like who's looking out for the MLB? That's supposed to be Tony Clark and Rob Manfred working together, right? Uh, sure, I guess. It's, it's supposed to come out of that relationship. You know, but like no one, but neither. I don't know. I, I feel like both sides should care a great deal because if the MLB wasn't a thing, I, or maybe it should be more important to the players because if the MLB wasn't a thing, like I'm not going to say that none of them would be employed. Like that's not the case. Like I'm sure some of them are pretty smart guys. Some of them probably would be like better at my job than I am. Right. But that's making like, you know, <clears throat> right. Call they're called 250 K not. Uh, yeah. There you know, there's a, I don't think that there's anybody making $35 million a year in our company. I could be wrong, but I don't think there are. Um, at least like I'm not anywhere close to that <laughs> there. There's only, there's only one comma in my paycheck. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, I'm not not at that, you know, two two comma level. <laughs> the two comma level. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not there. Says, need a shirt that says two commas. Yeah. Oh, we should start a clothing line. Two commas. <laughs> um. Or for uh, larger XL, uh, three commas. Three commas. Yeah. Trace commas. Right. Um. But uh. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know what what the di- I don't know what the dynamic day envision is I guess is is really my question because I agree with you it should be hey let's let's do what's like let's come together at some point because this is what's best for the league um but that doesn't seem to exist um you know when you see things like like the NHL they extended like after they worked out all their covid stuff I mean they also had their, you know, they had their season impacted mid-season. They came together to finish, you know, to to finish what you could loosely call the end of the regular season. Um, but it was more like a very extended playoffs. But they figured that out. They The owners wanted there to be a playoffs. They wanted a Stanley Cup champion. The fans were deserving of it. Um, they didn't want to not have a winner. Um, so they, you know, agreed to be bubbled. Um, it was for a ex- pretty decent time frame. It impacted the start of the next season. So they had, you know, the the following season. What would that be like? Twenty twenty, or yeah, when what it was twenty twenty that it was. Yeah, so it was the 2019-2020 season that was impacted. And then the start of the 2020-2021 got pushed back. They played a shortened season because of that. They played under different rules. They agreed to realign the divisions. Um, you know, like our, our Blues played out west. You know, in that conference, you had a division made up of just the teams from Canada um, it's like they, they went through quite a bit. Like it was, it wasn't even really the NHL at that point. It was just like you, you know, it was like an NHL video game and you decided that you were going to realign, you know, realign the, the, the divisions. Mode. Yeah. Like you were going to do your own shit. Um, there just wasn't like a fantasy draft, you know, so the team stayed where they were, but <clears throat> so they, they went through all that and it was fine. But in in all of that, they also extended their CBA. So like they came to an agreement, like they and they was like, cool, like everything's kind of where it's at. Like we we got to figure it out. Because there's uh just less money in hockey in general, though they were talking about, so it's not as like high stress, like um, you know, it's just not. There's not. You know, maybe forty million dollar contracts rolling around, twenty million dollar contracts. There's for sure you know, a couple of those, but most people are making, you know, three to, you know, or one to, you know, seven million dollars a year. For sure, yes. So definitely, um, there's they get also a little bit more just because there's less dollars involved. You know, more money, more problems. Maybe, but I like to me, I would think that. 
like the the players get their fair shake of the profits because the salary cap is driven by league revenue. So right. if the league makes more money, the salary cap goes up. If the league makes right. less money, the salary cap goes down. So, so both parties have an interest in the NHL yep. being successful. Yep. Baseball doesn't have that. Yep. Players want to make their money and owners want to make their money and never the two shall meet. And players just want what they think they're worth and players can be worth whatever owners are willing to pay. And there's no rhyme or reason behind it. So yes, there's less money, but from a player's perspective in the NHL, you have a smaller career window. Like the average hockey career is probably shorter than the average baseball career. Um, you're like it, you aren't given as much, like you don't make as much money. The world we live in is still just as expensive. So you aren't setting yourself up. You're not setting a future of your family up. Like, you know, we've talked about like Nolan Arenado after this contract, like he'll never, he won't have to work any. He doesn't have to work anymore. If his parents are still alive, they don't have to work. No one, no one in his immediate family has to work. If he has kids, they don't have to work. His grandkids probably don't have to work. His great grandkids probably don't have to work. You know, like granted shit happens, like maybe something could change from there on, but as long as they don't just like blow their money extremely unintelligently. Yeah. My last name's, uh, Arenado. Yeah. Like they're, they're loaded. I mean, like I, I would think that if one of us, you know, like say like in our immediate friend group, like pick like, you know, me, you and eight other people, if one of us made a hundred million dollars, over the course of three or four years, if if we wanted to, all of us could be taken care of. Like, all of us could retire on $100 million. Ten of us could probably retire, and our families would just be okay. They'd be good. You know, homes paid for, cars paid off, Let's you know, it. whatever. Let's do that. Um, make you it, know, you're our... going to make $100 million? You got this? <laughs> sure, yeah, I'm on it. Um, I do we would we get to have you know six cars you know maybe we have four homes no of course not but I don't know that that's relevant and I think that people find it relevant because they can and at some point you know like what you said uh, you know Logan Paul you were just talking about it just a you know nonsensical YouTube personality that is the epitome of how some people become famous in today's day and age. Nothing wrong with it. It's just, that's how it is. Uh, he's a content creator, but he spent $3.5 million on a sealed first edition, like first gen Pokemon card box. $3.5 yeah. million. He doesn't even know what's in the box. Nope. Like could be worth absolutely nothing. It could be all garbage that he gets. Yep. But $3.5 million, that $3.5 million, like, could pay off your home, could pay off my home. Like, you'd be out of debt, I'd be out of debt, Steve would be out of debt, Mickey would be out of debt, like, my brother would be out of debt. I Like, our parents wouldn't have any debt. Like, are we retiring on that money? No. But we're, we're sitting good. Like, um, we're investing now we're not paying we're not right. making a mortgage payment anymore right. you know we have long term capital Har- harper's you know her her schooling's paid for like her her future like her education's taken care of you know whatever like 
there's a little nest egg put away if something happens, you know, if there's some medical bills that crop up or whatever, um, you know, whatever comes up for, you know, baby to be named, you know, you're, you're, they're good. You know, right, like yeah. it, no issues. Yeah. Like that, that three and a half million, it just goes a long way, but some people just have this fuck you money and they spend it on a first edition box of Pokemon cards because they can, because they have another $3.5 million that their family is, is taking care of um, already. You know, it's not the, it's not the first $3.5 million he's made. So he can like, and if I made a ridiculous amount of money, I'm not going to say I wouldn't buy shit like that. Because for all I know, like his family is squared away. Like they have a house that there's no debt and he's paid off the car and his parents are taken care of and his brother's good. And you know, his aunts and uncles, like the people that were there for him and love him unconditionally. Like he did right by them for all I know. I'm not, not saying he didn't, but even so, like, it's just, so I'm sure like all money plays a part because there's a difference, but at the NHL, you're, it's still kind of like a job. You know, like, I don't know what league minimum is at the NHL, but I can assure you it's not 550 K like it is an MLB. Um, has MLB ever said why they don't, uh, uh, like salary cap? Um, so players have never wanted it because typically the salary cap is league minimum in the NHL is the lowest salary that can be given to a player this season is 750 K in the NHL. Huh? I don't know that that's accurate. Um, Because if that's the case, then that's like, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing the same thing. So, yeah. uh, so people are getting paid pretty decent because that's good money. <laughs> like if that's yeah. the minimum. Yeah. It also helps though. in like things like basketball and hockey that like you don't have such a large team, you know, like you have smaller profits and it's, but you don't have uh, an NHL, an NHL rosters still like, 22 guys dress or it's like 20 guys dress and there's two healthy scratches or maybe it's like three healthy scratches and 20 guys dress something like that um i think they typically have like 18 skaters and two goalies i want to say that dress and you get three healthy scratches so there's 23 guys rostered on an nhl team and there's 26 on an mlb team yeah i guess i guess hockey's not that bad but no, but the but the difference is, um, yeah. So the the it's the cap that comes into play. So they have roughly about the same amount of guys. The league minimum's higher, but they also have like an NHL maximum. Like you have, and I know like basketball is the same way that you have like a max contract for, and it's like annual average value and length of contract. It, it there's like maxes that you can do. And you um, gotta qualify for it in the NHL, like in the NBA, you gotta be with that team. That team can only offer you a max contract if you've been with them so long or something. Um, correct. Yeah, and so like looking at it, like I don't know what the salary cap is 
for the current year. This looks like it ended in 2019, 2020, because I'm guessing things got a little wonky with the uh, the COVID stuff. Um, but the salary cap was $81.5 million in the 2019-2020 season. Um, like, Garrett Cole and John Carlos Stanton make, like, 75% of that. Like, combined. So, the top end has to be significantly lower but there is far more parity across what the lowest guys making. Cause that's why I assumed there, it wouldn't be that high. Um, because the, like the, I expected like, Hey, there's only, you got to pay, you know, 20, 20 call, like just for easy math, call it 20 guys that you need to pay $80 million to. Well, I mean, it's only a $4 million a year average. So if you're paying someone $8 million, you have to have someone making no money. Like in order for that to, to even out. And it could be, you know, seven or, you know, three other guys making $3 million, But you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. if you're going to give someone over $4 million, you have to give someone less than $4 million. And in right. baseball, that, that isn't the case. Like you could have a guy making thirty million, and then everyone else could just also be making thirty million dollars. You know, there's yeah. no cap, and so it makes sense to me that players players want that. So, in the exchange that players want there to be no salary cap, owners wanted there to be some team control, which is where arbitration and um, the free agency rules came into play. And so, for my understanding in the negotiations. MLB, the owners have offered to make some adjustments to that, but I don't know enough of the ins and outs to say like, well, this seems like a great deal. All I know is that the owners are painting the picture that the players aren't really able to like, aren't willing to negotiate. Like they just keep turning proposals down. I don't know of any deal that was counter offered from the players to the owners. Um, just it hasn't been made public. Uh, but I know that the owners were like, hey, we'll make it like free agency will just be an age, not based on when you start in the league. So service time won't matter. And arbitration will go away. And there won't be qualifying offers or any kind of you know, repercussion to signing a guy that hit free agency. So there won't be anything to hinder other teams signing you. Um, and we won't institute a salary cap, but we'll institute a salary minimum. And so it's like, all right, like all this seems pretty good, but they just wanted there to be like an age number that you would hit free agency. Like maybe it's like 25. So in your age, after your age 25 season, you're a free agent, whether you're in the minors or majors or whatever, it doesn't matter. So if you get called up when you're 19 or you get called up when you're 24, you're a free agent. The, the season following, you know, you turning 25, something along those lines. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know enough about how big the gap is because I don't know what the players want because I haven't seen anything like that. I just know what the owners are offering seems to be real shitty according to what the MLBPA is saying because they're like, they haven't made a serious offer about any of the key economic issues. 
And it's like, well, like there's gonna have to be some compromise somewhere. Like you, you're not just gonna get everything that you want, right? Um, because they were willing to like, hey, like MLB was like, we'll keep the Universal DH. The owners were like, we'll we'll keep that in there. Um, you know, we'll expand the playoffs uh, so more teams go. Um, and like there there was all this talk of like what this proposal was, and it's it's cool. Like I don't mind it being public, but now they're like. Well, the MLBPA has been like, well, the owners haven't had any significant contributions or they're not willing to talk about any key economic issues. And we think that since they instituted the lockout, they should be the next ones to make a proposal. And the owners are like, well, we're not in a big hurry because like, yeah, we'll lose out money, but it's not net profitable to own a bit uh, baseball team anyway. And so if games don't play, we don't make the gate, like we lose out on all those sales, but we also don't have to pay you guys. So if we aren't making money, but we're spending less, it's still a profit from an owner's perspective. But maybe Nolan Arenado doesn't want to go without that $35 million. You know, or, I mean, he's probably a bad example. You know, but like, a guy like, you know, Tyler O'Neill, where maybe this year he's going to make $3 million and last year he made 500 k Like, that additional $2.5 million could go a long way for him and his family, so maybe he doesn't want to lose out on that, so he's willing to come around a little bit. And the owners are just going to continue to hold that onus over the players because at the end of the day, the players want the money that they're entitled to, and it can be a decent amount of money because there's no salary cap. But I know that like the like the the players want to address like teams tanking and teams not being competitive. Um, you know, it's like they they want to address that, and like I'm sure there's not a perfect solution, but I I would think that you know it it reminds me so much of like the U.S. government like Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And it's like, man, you would think that this would be easy to come to an agreement for something that like a compromise that both sides can be happy. And they understand that like compromise needs to exist. Like everyone talks about that. Like it's compromise is part of like a healthy relationship. Yeah. Compromise is part of a healthy friendship. You know, like in a work relationship, like there's some give and take that needs to exist in order for people on equal feet, like equal ends to be happy. Like, all right, like, did we get everything that we want? No, but I I did get this stuff. Like it is a step in the right direction and it shouldn't be a, oh, well, I didn't, I got exactly what I wanted here. And the only way I got that is because I got the complete opposite of what I wanted here. There should just be like some happy medium that should come together. So it's like, all right, like, well, what from an MLBPA perspective, like what are your key issues? Like in a perfect world, what all do you want to be different? Like you draw up, what's your ideal league? What do you guys want? Like be realistic. Don't just, don't like it can't just be like I want everyone to make a hundred million dollars like that's not sustainable the league will fold 
because no one will own a team anymore. So realistically, what do you want it to be? Owners, realistically, what do you want it to be? Okay, how far off are these? Okay, now that we know, like here, here is your dream scenario, here's your dream scenario. So now, what are you willing to give on? Like now that you know what they want and you know what they want, what like what are what wiggle room do we have to bring these together? Maybe both parties are completely on board with uh yeah, we want the universal DH and we want expanded playoffs because that means more playoff bonus money. So player more players make more money for making the playoffs and the owners are like that's more airwaves like we're going to have more games televised at prime time which is more ad money so we're going to make more money that's successful for the league and you're just like okay so boom here's two topics that we just agreed on that we are 100% common ground now let's build from there like is there a third item no is there a third item that we're real close on like you guys want there to be a salary floor that is, you know, $75 million a year. And the owners are like, well, we'll do a salary floor, or, you know, the they'll, the owner's like, we want it to be $75 million, and the players are like, we want it to be $90 million. It's like, all right, well, will you guys agree on, like, 80? 82.5? Like, where, where can we come together that is acceptable on both parties? It seems like a really simple process if right. everyone involved are fucking adults, and it doesn't seem like anyone involved in this conversation is. And no. and maybe it's not that they're not adults, but it's you have the voice of 30 guys on one side, and you have the voice of, you know, what, 600-plus players on the other side, and you're trying to do right by everybody. Um. And I want to say, like, the MLBPA, like, they vote on a lot. And I would be curious to know, like, even when they vote, what what the what the outcome is of that. Like, if they were like, do you want the universal DH, yes or no? And they ask everyone in the MLBPA, I imagine if it's 51%, they're like, okay, we're for it. Like, the the eyes have it, so we're going to say we, we're, we're going to push for the universal DH, even though that technically means that like half the league is going to be unhappy about it from a player perspective, but, um, but more people will want it than don't want it. So we're going to, everyone's going to have it. You know, and yeah, for me, I agree with the, the adult commentary a little bit, you know, it's just, uh, uh, and uh, you know the political comment. It's just like just we're just just get it done. Like how like your job, both of your jobs was to get this done, um, and I like we what the negative impacts were like you know players like that don't have insurance right now you know like or players that aren't allowed to see ten doctors you know that are needing to rehab. Like I'm sure it's happening maybe. Um, under the table, but you know, maybe not. Or whatever, you know, well, there's already some reports of some people saying they couldn't get into you know the buildings and shit like that. Well, and that and that's what it's like. It's interesting because I, from my understanding, like to be a part of the players' union, you have to be on an active forty-man roster for one of the thirty MLB clubs. Well, right. so someone like Jamison Tyon, 
he isn't on the 40-man roster because they transfer him to the 60-day IL. Well, if you're on the 60-day IL, you aren't on the 40-man roster. So at the end of the season, players get added back to the 40-man roster off of the 60-day IL. And I don't know when the time is that a team can say, all right, we're going to put him back on the 60-day IL. I don't, I don't know when that happens. But it's like, so your issue is going to be that his name shows up in a list of 40 names. But if this were it, like if this happened in March and the 40 man roster was set, like say they didn't do the lockout and players in this could still communicate. But then as spring training got closer, the 40 man roster was set. So Tyon was transferred to the 60 day IL a lockout started so you could no longer communicate. They could no longer do this or that. So like March 1st, but Tyon has been transferred to the 60 day IL. So now he's off the 40 man roster. So he could then continue to work with team doctors because he's not part of the MLBPA because he is not on an active 40 man roster. Like if it is legitimately like that cut and dry, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like that's some petty ass shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the petty shit is that, like, they're still, like, you know, like, cool, the Mets are still, like, doing what they need to do and crap like that. Like, you know, they're getting Justin Verlander's deals done. But, like, the pictures of the players aren't on the website anymore. Like, you know, like, you know this is coming back. Like, how to the extreme, like, do you have to take it while it's gone? Um, like, oh, well, your pictures, you guys aren't, like, part of really well, MLB right now. So. Well, it's just MLB.com that had to remove them. It's so like if you go to like CBS Sports, it, they're still there, right? So, it, right. so to me, I it makes sense, and it it's petty. Don't get me wrong; I don't disagree with that mindset at all. But it makes sense that it's like, hey, we have to separate ourselves from this, and MLB.com is owned by the MLB owners and league, like by Major League Baseball directly, and we are not allowed because there's a lockout and we are not under an active CBA, the rights to use their their name and likeness without compensation is tied into that CBA. So because we don't have it, they legally can't. Um, or something along those lines. Why? Right now. Yeah, why CBSSports.com is able to, or why ESPN is able to use them, I don't know. Because they don't give a fuck. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why it's not dependent on some sort of CBA. Like it again, like it just seems like when it comes to it's just so petty when it comes to Major League Baseball and its owners and the MLB Players Association. Oh yeah, let me buy a Nolan Arenado jersey right now. They don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, and it's just it's it's cool. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, I have I have enjoyed some of the stuff that they've talked about. Um, the minor league players aren't included, so they're still talking about that. Like, there's been some good articles about, like, the prospects that are coming up, so they're they're calling to light some things. There's been some feel-good stories that have been on there. Um, what I think, like, I saw earlier, there's, like, an article with, like, Ichiro, um, like, pitched against... Um, like a high school, some high school players and he struck out 17 batters. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it says here like 
Uh, the offseason exploits of Ichiro Suzuki continue to create memorable moments for baseball fans around the globe. Weeks after the Mariners legend showed up to hit dingers at a high school in his native Japan and surprised uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka during the right-hander's retirement ceremony, um, Ichiro uh, stepped onto the mound to face a select team of girls high school baseball players. So, I mean, I, I, I think that that's cool. I think that this sort of article has a place on MLB.com for sure. But if the offseason were underway, I think that this article should still have a place on MLB.com. Like, if anything, like, like you know, put like a section in there that it's like baseball around the world or like baseball off the field, like an off the field section or something along those lines. Like, hey, like, here's some other shit that baseball's doing, um, you know, just to call light right. to it. Um, they like. MLB donated $100,000 for tornado recovery. Um, that goes a long way, I'm sure. Like, I think that even if things were completely normal and the owners and the players had the best relationship known to man, I think this stuff should still be headline news on MLB.com. So I'm not, I'm not super worried about what it looks like now. It, it, but like you said, it's just petty. Like, oh, well, Nope, you don't have permission to use our pictures and name anymore. Oh, you're not part of MLB.com? Sure, go ahead. We don't really care. But MLB.com, don't you fucking do it. Don't you dare. That's right. so disrespectful. And it's like, well, they care because they can. And it's like, yeah, but why? Why do you want to? Like, that just seems more stressful. Yeah, it's like, ah, like I have this problem at work. And I could just, you know, bitch and moan event about it, never do anything, and just deal with this shitty process. Or, like, I can have constructive conversations about it, try to make the process better, improve on it, and just be done with it. You know, like, go about it the way that I should, because that's what I get paid to do, and I'm trying to be professional. It's like one of the, in those two options, like, one seems like the clear cut, hands down, best decision to make. And it isn't the route where you go like, you can't use my name in my picture anymore, but you can, but not that guy. Like fuck aunt Janice. She can't come. She's an asshole. So she's not invited to Thanksgiving. Her husband can come, but, but aunt Janice can't like, that's some petty shit. So stop. Aunt Janice is a real Karen. She's being a real Karen for sure. So. But yeah, they need to, uh, and you know, it's not really, you know, like we said, it's not really hindering much. Um, it is just kind of lame. There's just really nothing to talk about in baseball. So it's yet again, like I said earlier, it was like I could complain about baseball all day long. They uh, between the Cardinals and the, you know the front office of the MLB, you know, they do enough where I could complain. Yeah, um, I don't know, did. The last time we recorded had uh, Schilt already gotten his job with MLB? No, he had not. Yeah, so I guess I haven't. I don't. I forget what he's going to be doing. I think it's like some special advisor. Yeah, yeah. He got like a LaRusa role. Yeah. Know? So they're just waiting for him to leave uh, the White Sox. Schilt. <laughs> yeah, whenever Ali Marmol just doesn't do anything, the Carlson are like, hey, hey man, want to come back? Hey man, sorry, I, I was wrong. You were right. 
you're pretty um, ugly. <laughs> you're smart. I'm really stupid. But yeah, I honestly, until you had said that right there, forgot that Ali Marmol was even the coach of the Cardinals. <laughs> Yeah. How much of an impact he's had so far. Yeah. Well, yeah, now I what what excuses is this going to stir from like let's say the Cardinals have a slow start yeah. out of the gate and everyone's like what what the hell like this is terrible. What's this new philosophy and how quick will the owners be like, well, because of the lockout we didn't have a typical off season and we weren't able, like it's imperative that Ali Ramal was able to start to form the relationship as the new manager of the Cardinals. And he wasn't allowed to do that because of the lockout. So we expect there to be some bumps along the road because from, you know, December 1st to February 15th, we weren't able to communicate properly. So that's why we're, you know, 10 and 10 to start the year. I think Mo might use that at the beginning of the year, but like I don't think he would. I don't think he would have that rhetoric for too long because I mean he knows just as well as everybody else does. Like, I mean Ali Marmol's. I mean you even you said like he's been here. Like so. Um, yeah. But that's why I was very cl- like he has been here, but he's never been the guy. He's, he hasn't had a manager relationship with these players. He's just been yeah. the bench coach. That's yeah, if different. They wanna, if they want to spin that story, that's cool. That's They're not going to. It's have, what Mo I have, does. I know, yeah, but I have, like, zero. Like, there's no excuses. Now, here's your coach. You've had a couple coaches. You got a, you've got a handful of players. Like, oh, I don't – I'm not worried that out. you'll like, buy his bullshit. Yeah. No, we'll be covering real talk right here on the internet. <laughs> but – but I, my question is more of like, what do you think the odds are that is the approach he takes? Or if not, if not even Mo directly, insert whatever front office per, you know, personality you want into how the lockout disrupted the normal offseason flow of things. Or like, you know, in the Jameson Tyon excuse, like let's say he doesn't pitch as effectively or he doesn't come back healthy as quickly as they anticipated. How quickly will the Yankees front office be like, well, because of this lockout, we weren't able to treat him the way that we weren't. And our doctors weren't able to keep an eye on him. And so there was a setback, unfortunately. So he'll probably be out till May. Yeah. You know, it just like, that's the shit that annoys me. That's like, cool. So like, at what at what point do both parties have to just reflect internally and be like, you know what, maybe this isn't the best way to handle it for the league, like for Major League Baseball. Like, we aren't able to put our best product on the field. Like, because we did this, we sacrificed or put in jeopardy the successes of 25 other guys because Tyon couldn't be taken care of. And his health is a legitimate concern. Or like, what if it doesn't heal properly and he deals with shoulder issues for the rest of his life, even after he's done pitching? You know, like, I think it was a knee that he had his surgery on. But either way, you know what I mean. Um, but it's just like, cool. It's like, come together and just remove that shit. Like, you guys wrote the rules. Like, if you wrote the rules and both parties think it's a bad idea, just fucking remove it from the rules. Even if you do it right now, just do make an addendum. 
like, hey, yeah, we know that this is what it says, but we're going to change that. That's not how it is anymore. Like, if you're under contract with a team, you're able to continue to work with their team doctors. Right. Like, I, I don't, I don't care. Like, you right. don't, even, don't even have to be hurt. You know, but like if you got some advice, a workout routine, like you yeah, like if there's player. like a dietitian that you're working with, you know, to like keep you like on a healthy regimen, like continue to work with those people. Like continue to check in with those people. Don't stop taking care of yourself because we haven't come to terms on a contract. Like that seems ridiculous. Right. Or like I said, like if if that is the case, then be like, okay. So we feel like we're, there's a possibility we're going to go into a lockout. So here's what we would like you to do. Or here's these physicians that are approved by MLBPA and the MLB owners that like, you're able to work with them. You know, here, here you go. Like what? Like, oh, we're under a lockout. So the owners just don't care anymore. Like you're going to tell me like, let's say it was, Garrett Cole rehabbing from an injury as an owner that invested $35 million a year into his arm, you know, or into him pitching effectively. And he's supposed to be your ace and winning a world series probably hinges on his performance. At some point you're telling me you don't want him to be as healthy as he possibly can. Like you aren't interested in his recovery. You you don't want to have a hand in it. Yeah. Everything that's happening. Right. Like you're just going to have him go see another guy. Like get the fuck out of here. Like, no one wants that. So if Tyon wants to work with team doctors and the team wants him to work with the doctors that they trust under a regiment that they want to put together, just make it happen. Just change the rule. Like, you, all parties involved are the ones that wrote that rule. It'd be like your parents grounding you and then being like, well, it just is an effective punishment, but we, this is just what, this is how it is. Like, we just ground people. That's what we've always done. Like, you can't, you have to go to your room. Like, I understand that your video games and your TV and a computer and all of that are is in your room, but my grandparents sent my parents to the room. My parents sent me to my room when I was in trouble. So now as a parent, I'm going to send you to your room when you're in trouble. And it's like, all right, man, like maybe change up the parent-child contract of what an acceptable punishment is right you know gotta can't just do things how they've always been done like why can't i talk to to the team doctors that's just how it's always been when there's a work stoppage when there's a lockout you're just not allowed those are our doctors and you're not allowed to do it like i don't i don't work for you anymore no you do you're still under contract with me like can't go work for somebody else you can't leave the MLB. Like, you're still indebted to me. You still have to hold up your end of the contract. So. But, no. You can't talk to our people. And you can't talk to other people either. You just have to figure it out. Better up your WebMD game. Yep. You know, ever, dude, just listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Should be good. <laughs> so. You know, or how many players get popped for PEDs and then are like, well, I wasn't able to work with our team doctors, so I didn't know what was going into my body. Like, I tried, but this is not what I am get paid to do. So, like, I don't know what's going into my body. That's what I rely on the team doctors for. So, there was 
three weeks in December, or there were, there was a six week period of time that I just, I was at a loss. Like I'm lucky I even fed myself. How was I supposed to know what was in it? I'm not a doctor. <laughs> oh, okay. Poor you. <laughs> Idiots. Uh, so, Shell got hired. Verlander officially got to his deal. For some reason, it dragged on through Buck Showalter was hired as the Mets manager um, uh, seemingly because I, I guess I get did you read the stories what a couple weeks ago that would uh, was it Max Scherzer would have for some pers- preferred somebody like Buck Showalter um, boom, he's hired I did not yep so, <laughs> that's funny um, yeah I think it was one of those uh, and because then I think what I read on Reddit was that Manny Machado then was like co-signing was like Buck Showalter really kept me like centered, blah blah. blah. And the comments were like, "No, he didn't." Like, could you imagine Manny Machado like centered, like blah 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 blah. blah. So, um, but we'll see how Buck Showalter does in New York. Um, uh, he's he's managed the Yankees so. Yeah, yeah, he'll be all right. I mean, just, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be too. too was the last time Buck Showalter's won something, you know? And it's just like, you know, like Steve Cohen. I maybe they're just not out there. Maybe it's just not it. But like the youth in some managers and the youth in some teams, and like you know, maybe maybe some of these older guys do get it. But even with the Larusa one, like I like Larusa, obviously hometown favorite, but like. At some point in time, like you, like, can you just like retire and like enjoy your days and like you know not be an option anymore? Like Buckshaw Walter's been out of the game for when's the last fun time Buckshaw Walter was a coach? You're telling me nobody else deserves a chance. So Walter, and I get it. I could have been screaming the same thing when Tony got hired, and I wasn't. Yeah, but you been. you just admitted your fault that like, you were on board yeah. with it because you like him, okay. and it's and it's fine. And again, like if they think if they think Buck Walter is the best guy for the job, then I'm I don't have a problem with it. Like, sure he's older, but that shouldn't. He was dis- sixty two years old in twenty eighteen. Like that shouldn't discredit him from, you know, being hired as a manager. Yeah. Yo, and that's, you're right, that's ageism. But you're telling me nobody's, you know, nobody's, you know, been ready and waiting. And I guess maybe you got a high-profile team, you're spending a lot of money, but, you know, I don't know. Well, and they just cleaned house. So at least, like, from a Cardinals perspective, like, they've had, like, Ali Marmol and the Wings kind of being primed for this role for a little bit. I think it just happened earlier than expected because of the firing i i think that if if the cardinals went through you know a similar year as they did in 2021 and 2022 and the cardinals just didn't extend uh schilt 
and they hired Marmol as their coach for the 2023 season. I don't think anyone makes any stink about it whatsoever. I don't think anyone cares. Um, but the way it went that they were like real hush, hush, real vague philosophical differences. And you fired him. That's where I think, um, the, the difference will be, or, or why people are like, Hey, this doesn't make sense. Cause I don't think anyone felt that Schilt was deserving of being fired. And Matheny was probably deserving of being fired a year and a half before he was. Sure. So they're like, what, what the hell? Um, and I think that it, I don't know, I've, I get, and I get like, we say it making jokes and I know like a lot of people brought it up when it happened, but the, and the man, the manner in which he got let go and it seemingly kind of being, uh, you know, at least blindsided to the public eye. Obviously we don't know what kind of conversations went on internally, uh, but in a year that the guy was up for, you know, was a finalist for NL manager of the year to be fired. It doesn't really instill like the Cardinal way. And then not to mention the last two managers that the Cardinals have had were kind of like hand picked from the wit and ownership and both were fired before their contracts came to an end. Um, if I were a manager looking for another, like looking for a team to go to for a management job, I would be hard pressed to feel like the front office is going to keep, if they put faith in me, they're going to continue to have their faith in me. It's more of a, you know, what have I done for you lately? That if I run into a rough patch at all, or if the team doesn't perform up the standards at one way or another, then, you know, I'm going to be the one to be, you know, to be let go because they've already shown that they would do it to guys that they were like, this is who I want. So I think it just puts a bad look on the franchise, in my opinion. Um, I was going to go look to see, like, if I could look at the, uh, the Cardinals, like, top prospects, but... Um, Are they going to? Yeah, when I so I had to go into this article and then there's a link, but typically I would just go to like their roster and I could look at like the 26 man active roster, the 40 man roster, depth chart, you know, the prospect right. list. But that, if you go through MLB.com, it isn't there under roster under the roster dropdown anymore. But if I go, so like if I. Yeah, like there's no like teams or anything that I can go to. You but if I go to MLB.com backslash prospects. Yeah. Backslash and so it's so it's on the website, but the link to get there normally it isn't. So they just removed the link. They didn't remove the information. And there's pictures and everything, which is fine yeah. because none of these guys are part of the MLBPA because they're not on the forty man roster. Yeah. Or at least I don't believe they are. Or no, I take it back. So some of them are. So like Yvonne Herrera, 
is on the 40 main roster, so his picture isn't there. Oh, yeah, his picture is not there. Look at that. Angel yeah. Rondon, Brendan Donovan. Yeah, like Juan Yepes, Ali Sanchez. Yeah. yeah. But I was looking just to see, like, what they had. That's deep, dude. That's deep. <clears throat> yeah, and so it'll be interesting because the other part of the offseason that I was waiting to see and, like, did the research on and we were talking about the rule five draft. So that has been put on hold um, until the lockout has been raised uh, because they aren't able to do any um, MLB level transactions so they can do minor league transactions. So when players were drafted and the minor league phase of the rule five draft, they were just moving from one minor league affiliate to another organization's minor league affiliate. So they were able to complete that transaction and actually move the player. If someone would have been drafted in the MLB portion of the draft, they have to go on the other team's MLB active roster. So because it requires an MLB transaction, they decided to postpone it until the lockout's done. I was like, really? Like that seems silly, but there's the, there's the possibility because like there were a handful of guys like Luke and Baker, Delvin Perez, who were, you know, top 10, top 15 prospects for the Cardinals that aren't protected. So could easily be drafted by other players or by other teams and they would be gone. But so you don't even know, you know, what like some of these guys don't even necessarily know like where they're going to end up being or they're they're preparing with the cardinals but may end up being taken by another team as it gets closer to spring training you know or like they're working in the off season with all these guys like you know luke and baker for example cardinals are working them out trying different things maybe preparing him to potentially be a backup first baseman but he at the same time could be taken in the rule five draft. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, the longer this sits around and everyone waits, um, the weirder it will be. Um, Cause I think the only thing that they did require was like the tender deadline was there. So for players that were arbitration eligible, but now there's no negotiations that could happen. So players just know what they were offered, but didn't accept them or not. And arbitration hearings can happen or anything like that. Those typically happen like in January, early February, I think. But it could be a spot. So like, say, Jack Flaherty, who went to the arbitration hearing for 2021 and won his case. He may not even know whether or not, like what he's getting paid until like spring training's getting ready to start or like Tyler O'Neill may not know what he's making until that time frame. Um, Which in turn means the Cardinals don't know what they're making. Right. Like they so don't know what their, what their pay. payroll is. Right. They don't know what their payroll is. So um, I will are, say, you know, are they going to sign players? Yeah. I, I will say the, the Yankees have still been active making some moves, trying to uh, fill some gaps. And I'm actually a big fan of one of the signings they did make. Okay, okay. 
Um, so they signed um, Ender and Ciarte to a minor league deal. Um, so he's like a three-time Gold Glove winner. Not as exciting as I thought it was going to be, but okay. okay. Uh, well, I mean, he's a three-time Gold Glove winner. He was an All-Star 2017. Um, he's like a 290 career hitter. Uh, he's Ender. Yeah, he's he's been injured the last couple seasons, but you know he had strong like he was with um, the Diamondbacks and for like two seasons and then the Braves, but he won uh, Gold Glove in center field in 2016, 17, and 18, and then he's been he was hurt like the last two seasons. So to sign him to like a minor league deal. It, it just it's a lot of upside and it could it could be a situation where you know like if you're gonna utilize Stanton in the like out in the field you can have like say it goes like Gallo judge Stanton and you get to a point where like you need to shift around your defense late game like Inciarte could be this defensive center fielder that you put in to shift judge back to right. Um, if Stan's bat's not going to come up anymore or anything like that, like mm. for the eighth and ninth or something. Now I do like the movie even more because they're taking a, uh, a playbook or a play out of my playbook, which is just take the Braves outfielders, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, I can, it, so it's not like this. I don't think you'll be like this MVP touted guy, but I mean, it's a minor league deal. So even if he cracks the MLB, it's a league minimum contract. So, and you're, you already like the only center fielder or like natural center fielder that you have is Aaron Hicks. And so you're like, Hey, like here's now this other depth piece that we can just ride with this guy and he can be down in our minors and it'll be fine. Like I would much rather it be Ender and Ciarte than like a 38 year old Brett Gardner making $8 million that did the same thing. Like, if people got hurt, he played, or he was, like, an upgrade defensively late game. They're, so they have the same role. It's, he's just eight years younger and $7.5 million cheaper. Or he doesn't make it to the majors ever, and it was nothing. It was just a minor league deal. But, I mean, how often do you get a 31-year-old former all-star, three-time gold glove center fielder, on a minor league contract. It just seems, seems like a very, very high upside, like high, high reward, very low risk contract signing. Yeah. Um, and then they signed like two other like bullpen arms that are meh, you know, whatever. How about your boy, Rodolfo Duran? Um, what about him? He's time to a minor league contract. He's a catcher. Uh, 244 batting average, along with 33 home runs throughout his time in the minors. Uh, I. Um, he's a plus defender, throws out 40% of base dealers in his career. He was in a big league camp in the Phillies. Yeah, I. Like. Now that they that the the drama is kind of done because they tendered a contract to Gary Sanchez. 
I think that he'll just accept whatever they pay him, but he's not going to win yeah. shit in arbitration. Nope. nope. So it's fine. <clears throat> so my hope now is he's a free agent after this. So cool, fine, whatever. What was it, the deal worth? Um, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, they didn't have to give any of that information. Like, none of that information has been made public yet, from my understanding. Um, but, so if they if they don't bring in anyone else, like, say they don't trade him, and he's just the catcher that they have for this year, God bless his heart, um, I think that Austin Wells is likely only a year away. Um, the ETA on him is 2023, like he's 22 at this point. Um, but he's only played at like high a ball. So he still has, you know, double a triple a to kind of make it through. So half season double a or couple months, double a, and then a few, a handful of months at triple a, like, I think that that's reasonable. Um, but that's like, I, I think I'm just. Like at this point, I am I am hoping that the youth that the Yankees have that seems to have so much promise is just the route that they go, um, and they let like they let this you know this new approach where like if Volpe and Peraza and Wells and Dominguez all kind of pan out, um you know, where you can like have Volpe and Praza be your middle infield. Um, you have LeMahieu that you could probably shift to first at that point. Um, if you have Rochelle at third with some youth, um, I mean, Trey Sweeney's another shortstop. They have three shortstops and their top seven prospects that are all expected to arrive in the MLB in the next year or two. Um, so, so if those like, uh... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's like if those guys become kind of your infield and then LeMahieu's under contract, so you just shift him to first at some point, that's fine. You have Judge long-term. Dominguez, I think, will... I don't know if he's a center fielder, but, you know, maybe he plays left. And then Wells is a catcher. You have Luis Heal. You have Clark Schmidt. Like, they're... You know, you have Davey Garcia. They have a lot of these young guys that seem to have a lot of potential and if they hit on all of them amazing great realistically it's not going to happen but if they could hit on a couple of them like dominguez maybe volpe um you know like that that's not even like oswaldo cabrera who's coming up this year um estevan floriel they expect to you know make the potentially make the squad and these are other like other top prospects it's just they need to get out from some of the nonsensical contracts that they have, like Gary Sanchez. Um, Who's $8 million this year. Yeah. Um, you know, but Judge is going to get paid. Uh, Stanton's eating up a ton of money. Not that he isn't good, but it's just he's eating up a ton of money, and, and he cuts out Miami... a lot of lineup flexibility because he only can DH, basically, so... And Miami's paying some of that deal, so it's it's bad. And it's a little bit better. They're paying. Yeah, you know, and it, like I said, it's it just gets tough because like they have, they they have a lot of guys that are it. 
it's hard to just cut ties with them because they have some value, like Sanchez, Voight, Torres, Urshela, like they Hicks. In a perfect world, sure, they could trade away all these guys and get the moon back and have the world's greatest rotation, you know, whatever, and then you hit with all of your position players. Um, but even still, like, if you, like, you have uh, Cole, Montgomery, Tyon, Severino, Herman, uh, Nestor Cortez was strong last year. So it's like they have five or six guys that you're like, yeah, I'm completely content with these guys being major league starters. For, for me, though, like I've talked about it with the Cardinals, I've talked about the Yankees, like they have one ace and then they have five or six, three, four, five guys. What they really need is that like that one B or like that really solid number two. Um, what Jack Flaherty is to Adam Wainwright. Um, you know, or, or maybe better yet, like what Wayno was to Chris Carpenter. They need that for Garrett Cole. Um, they, they need a, you know, a Max Scherzer, Jake DeGrom set up. Um, uh, Zach Greinke, Justin Verlander combination. That's disgusting to say out loud, by the way. What, DeGrom and Scherzer in the same rotation? Yeah. Yeah, so they face each other opening day in, like, 2019. Uh, Nationals versus the Mets, and they combine to strike out 22 guys. <laughs> that's, that's so dumb. Could so you're you playing a who, three-game series, and you're going to see both of them? Yeah, like, who opens? That's a great question. Who opens the regular season against the Mets? The, it's like, the Nationals. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Of course. Yeah. Well, uh, Juan Soto. We'll get to watch Juan Soto get struck up. Yeah, and then the Braves. So... It looks like it is a four-game series against the Nationals, maybe. Oh, no, three games, but they have a day off. So it's like opening day, day off, and then they play uh, Saturday, Sunday, and then they play the Braves. So the Nationals and the Braves in the first week of baseball are both going to get to face. Um, well, I guess I guess only they'll um, maybe they'll get both. Because the extra day off, so maybe they'll. Oh, oh man, that's so unfortunate. <laughs> so, um, they play. God damn, the Nationals are gonna have such a, a horrible record to start the season, probably. So they play three games against the Mets at at New York. Then the Mets play the Braves for three games, and then they play the Nationals at Washington for a four-game series. Mm. So in in the Nationals' first ten games, there's strong possibility that they're going to face Degrom and Scherzer four of those ten games. That's stupid. That's, That's real. you're real mad at someone who ever created the schedule. You're real mad at them right now. <laughs> real mad. You're like, come on, man. Well, that's what you want if you know you're the Mets. That's what you were looking for. Yeah, and that that's what I wanted the Yankees to have. Like I would love 
to have like have like one of my biggest questions on opening day is who are we gonna pitch? You know, like it it's uh I mean there I guess like that same question could just as easily be construed as poor. Like the the pirates <laughs> who who were the pirates gonna pitch opening day? Like uh it it doesn't matter. And you know, whatever. Um or like Tampa Bay. Who who were they gonna pitch? You know, but some teams like they just have that that scenario like uh Toronto for example. Um they have Jose Barrios and I think they still have Ryu there. I feel like they signed one other pitcher and maybe they bring Robbie Ray back. And you're just like, man, who were they going to pitch opening day? Is it going to be Robbie Ray? Is it Jose Barrios? Who, what, what route, what route they think they're going? Um, you know, San Diego, is it Darvish? Is it Snell? Is it Clevenger? You know, but if like the Yankees, it's, it's Cole. And that's fine. Cause he's, you know, arguably one of the best pitchers in the game. But the Mets are in a situation where they theoretically are, well, they certainly are either not pitching Jacob deGrom or not pitching Max Scherzer on opening day, even if both are healthy. And I don't know the last time a team has not pitched one of those guys opening day. Like one of them is clearly not the ace of their team anymore. And that's weird. It's like when Zach Greinke went to went to Houston, or I guess Garrett Cole was the third one there, but Garrett Cole joined the Astros and immediately became their number three pitcher. Like Patrick Corbin when he was with Scherzer and Strasburg in Washington. Like this is a guy that was an ace in Arizona, or um, Cole's case in Pittsburgh, and got traded, and it's like, hey, you're not an ace anymore. We get that your numbers are phenomenal, but you're our number three now because that's how stacked we are. And then they didn't win a World Series. Good Garrett Culture number three. Yeah, it's yeah, dumb, it right? The Pirates. Although he wasn't that good when he was with the Pirates. Not like, oh my God, it's Garrett Cole. He was like, cool, I'm out of this organization. I can pitch better than this. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what you what you mean by that good. I mean... I guess maybe I don't remember. Maybe maybe it was just because he was on the Pirates. I don't ever remember being like, oh man, we got Garrett Cole. I mean, he, he definitely had some years better than others. But, I mean, like... His best year was probably 2015. I mean, he was with the Pirates for one, two, three, four, five seasons before he went to Houston in 2018. But, I mean, he was like a 19-game winner in 2015. Um, But, I mean, he struck out 196 guys his last year there. And he went 12-12 with like a 4.2 ERA, 33 starts. 
through 200 innings for a terrible, terrible team. You know, his numbers went to, like, next level when he went to Houston. You know, because he's probably cheating. It's probably when, like, spider tech became a thing. Because <laughs> uh, his case per nine. Now, granted, he, he also was... He went from being, like, a good pitcher on the worst team in a division to being a good pitcher on the best team in a division. Um... So the quality of teams you face were probably lower, but I mean his case per nine went from like high eights to like it was twelve point four in two thousand eighteen, thirteen point eight in two thousand nineteen, eleven point six in twenty twenty with the Yankees, twelve point one last year. So I mean like it's a a night and day difference. Like he's only got 15 career games against the Cardinals. What uh, what do his numbers look like against them? Um, he has in probably terrible. Uh, no, he's only let up 17 hits in. <laughs> That's pretty good. 76 plate appearances. That's pretty good. Oh, wait, hold on. No, that's 17 doubles. 79 oh. hits. I was like, 17 hits and 15 starts. That's pretty good. Yeah, 79 <laughs> hits. Um, 11 home runs. Doesn't really have an ERA or anything. Batting average 230. Yeah, so I mean, he shut us out. And that's the team he's actually played... The, the Cubs at 15, the Brewers at 13, the Reds at 13. Yeah, so. Yeah, those are still some of the most, his most played teams. Oh, wait, here's the one I'm looking for, game level. Here we go. Yeah, so he went 8-4. and four. Um, against us. With an ERA at 296. Yeah, I, I think that that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. 91 innings pitched. Yeah, not too bad. But yeah, he wasn't a super... I guess he wasn't a superstar. Maybe he was uh, to some people, but he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Correct. Who cares? Um, Exactly. Um, And it was like he was having like a, a down year the like then he got traded to Houston. It's like 2017 was probably the worst year of his career. Um, and he was like 26. So then he got traded to Houston for like his age 27 season and was just a fucking stud the two years he was there. And it was the most annoying thing in the world, especially 2019. Especially that one. Yeah, and then the Yankees were like, well, we can't beat them, so let's just steal their pitchers. And they paid him, you know. Spider tech money. Yeah, spider tech money for sure. <laughs> yes. Oh, I still can't wait until Trevor Bauer throws again, dude. Uh, it'll be interesting. He'll be like, well, because no, it's spider tech, it's because I haven't pitched. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, now you're starting to get my mindset like, Hey, there's this other excuse now. That's what I'm going to go with. It's like you can almost predict it. 
Um, right. I'm still waiting to see what's going to come out about this whole, like, the MLB used two different balls for 2021. Oh, I know, right? Like, and they knew about it. And someone was like, the I guess, like, there's, like, a manufacturer code that's on the baseballs. And the argument was that, like, due to COVID, the production was reduced and they weren't able to make enough of the new baseball um, for this upcoming season. And so they uh, they had to use baseballs that were left over from previous years to meet the demands. But so, like in the article that I was reading the report about it, apparently like that manufacturer tag was uh, like the serial numbers fell into like batches of baseballs that were created this year, like and the time frame that they were producing baseballs of the new ball. So it's like, well, what was there not enough to go around or did you just waste time making this <laughs> other baseball that if you didn't, you could have just made this new ball. Um, so like the, the major question was like, does MLB know what, like what games they gave what ball to? Um, Cause the concern was that they intentionally like, or was like, and if they did, was it at random or was, was there like a conscious decision? Um, so they were like, for example, all the home runs that got hit at the field, of dreams game that the ball seemed to be carrying, a lot more and sure it could be played off that's like well there was you know the wind was blowing out there like the structure was much different and the base hyped up like it was and it was more uh more pronounced for there to be home runs like the field itself yielded more home runs but it also made for better tv for those to be high scoring games and they hit eight home runs combined in the one game between the White Sox and Yankees, which granted are two of the better offenses in baseball. But they're like, if they then like send the dead and balls to like a series, like, Oh, the Tigers and Royals are playing. So we'll give them the new baseball there. No one will really even notice that there's way less offense because those teams suck, but it'll skew the numbers down and it'll show like a reduced rate of, home runs being allowed and offense as a whole. So like, we're not juicing the baseballs anymore, but for our primetime games that are going to be on national TV, we will have these juiced baseballs to make for more exciting because that's what the fans want to see is more offense. So we'll skew the stats. So players think that there's a difference, but really we're making a, like we're actively making a decision and it's fair because both teams don't know and they're playing by the same with the same equipment as like the theory that this article was caking up and i was like dude like if any part of that is accurate rob manfred should be fired yeah like it's just it has not been a good run maybe not all his fault like maybe some of it should be applauded to him that it got brought to light but it was never Manfred on covering anything. It was someone blowing the whistle on shit. Yeah. You know, like without Mike Fires, like the sign stealing scandal would have never been a thing. Um, granted, it didn't 
like it it didn't amount to anything. Um, but then like without players saying anything, like spider tech stuff never would have been a thing. Like they never would have made a change to substances for pitchers. There just would have been all kinds of strikeouts all year. You know, maybe the Yankees would have advanced in the playoffs if Garrett Cole had spider tech in the wild card game. Is there a lot of music? Would have been more exciting TV. But yeah, like uh, yeah, it, it's just there's there's so many things. I guess not so many. There's just there's enough black eyes. Like there's enough pain points on baseball right now that the last thing they really needed was this lockout work stoppage. You know, it's like there's all this shit going around with like the Hall of Fame ballots and people not voting like because of their connection to steroids, even if they never, you know, if they never, you know, if they didn't necessarily ever test positive for steroids or anything like that, but their name was associated and these riders are on their high horse, um, people being up in arms that like there, like there was a handful of guys, I think like one or two of them that didn't vote for anybody on their hall of fame ballot. Like they didn't think anyone was deserving of getting into the hall of fame. Um, me personally, I think that writers should be required to, if you're not going to vote for a guy, like you should have, like it should be publicly known or like if you did or didn't vote for a guy, which they ballots don't have to be released. They can do it anonymously, but I feel like it's kind of getting, past that like everyone's just letting it be known um but i feel like if you vote yes or no for a guy you should put your reasoning why like there was uh one guy i think like he had voted for scott roland last year and now this year he didn't and like obviously scott roland like his numbers didn't change like what he's done for the game of baseball didn't change <laughs> right um one year not the next right so and it and if, again, like they only can vote for 10 guys. So if like there were, if he voted for 10 other names and like Scott Rowland was his 11th, then sure. But for my understanding, he voted for like two people. So I was like, okay, so what, what changed your mind about Scott Rowland? And if I would have had insight into why you did vote for Scott Rowland last year and insight into why you didn't vote for Scott Rowland this year, then maybe I can get behind your decision. But ultimately what it's doing is that it, to making Cooperstown just less and less relevant. Cause like there are media people that will just have a personal agenda that they're like, Oh, well this guy didn't give me an interview. Like he was always an asshole when I tried to interview him during the game. So I just don't think he's a good person. So I don't think he should be in the hall of fame, but you know, like it. And I guess like people could argue that it's not just stats that get you in. It's like what you do for the game of baseball. And you know, you shouldn't be congratulated if you're an asshole, but at the same time, the Hall of Fame should represent the best players to ever play your game. Um, and that's why I think that like it's it's impossible to compare like one generation to another, or like one decade to another, because the game's just so different. Um. 
but that's what I, I like now that they have that, uh, like the, I forget what it's called, like the, the era something or other, but basically it's like guys that were missed into their initial hall of fame election. Like there's this committee that can go in and decide that they think they should be in the hall of fame. Um, cause it just becomes like a slippery slope. Like if you, if you do it based on stats and there's a guy that made it in that hit, you know, 260 with X amount of home runs and whatever, now you've kind of set a benchmark that everyone that passes that should be in the hall of fame or like, Oh, if you win three championships or more, you should be considered for the hall of fame. You know, and it, it isn't necessarily that cut. And right, dry. Jock Peter, you're going to get Jock Peterson in the hall of fame. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, like the, the Patrick Maroon aspect, you know, he's a, a decent enough hockey player. You know, way better than anything I would ever be. But at, at this point now, he's the only player, I think, to to have ever won, like, three consecutive Stanley Cups. Um, or maybe, like, maybe it's... Or maybe it's, like, one of, like, a handful of guys that won three consecutive. But I think he's, like, one of, like, four guys that have ever won back-to-back with different teams. Something like that. But I don't know. But winning three cups in a row is no easy feat, but he has now accomplished it. It's like his name shall be ever like forever be remembered in the the halls of the NHL history. Um, but it's like, all right, well should that guy should he make should he make it into the Hall of Fame because he did that? Maybe. Yeah because you put this other guy in because they won three championships total. And you're like, that's, that's a sealed the deal for me. Um, yeah, or shit like that. Like it just creates these weird things. So, but like, I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's an easy job by any means. Like the first year candidates for the 2022 hall of fame ballot. Like I think are insane. Um, like I can make an argument for like every one of these guys. Uh, but mainly it's cause like I watched them play like almost their entire career. It seems. Um, but against like, they can only, you can only vote for 10 guys in a given year, but it's Carl Crawford, Prince Fielder, Ryan Howard, Justin Morneau, Joe Nathan, David Ortiz, Tim Linscombe, Jonathan Papelbon, Jake PV, AJ Przinsky, Alex Rodriguez, Jimmy Rollins, and Mark Teixeira. Well, there's definitely a couple of players that wore pinstripes that, you know. Right, and that's like, I mean, I could make an argument either way, but that's 13 players that were, you know, generationally recognizable for the time frame in which they played the game, you know, throughout like the the, the 2000s. Um, you know, and you look at guys like Tim, Tim Linscombe, like I think will be a very interesting case because his career was so short lived, but he accomplished so much. So, I mean, he only, he only pitched across like 10 seasons, but the last two were relatively short, like 2015, 2016. He combined for like a hundred innings 
across both those two. Um, but from like 2008 to 2011, like that four years, he was just an absolute stud. Like won two Cy Youngs, was an all-star all four years. He won, you know, what, 40, 50, like 62 games over the four years. So average like 15 wins a season. His ERA was, you know, two and a half basically in three of those years. The other one was like a 3.4 ERA. You know, 220 plus strikeouts all four years. Three of them he led the league. Like just insane numbers for that four-year stretch. But like if you look at like his body of work over the course of like a full career, like over his 10 years, it really isn't overwhelmingly impressive. Like he only got to 110 wins. Um, he only got to like 1,700 strikeouts. So it's like, cool, like good, solid numbers. He just didn't bitch for that long. Like he retired like at 32. Like he might have had another six years under his belt for a lot of these guys. You know, or Scherzer just signed a two-year deal, and he he is like 38. Wayno signed a contract. He's 40. You know, so maybe he had another six, seven years under his belt, and two of the years were cut short because he just didn't pitch effectively at all. Like his ERA in his last year with the Angels over 38 innings, it was 9.16. <laughs> like, it's pretty bad. Maybe he uh, was using spider tech for spider tech. It's cool. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, but he just like lost it. You know, he had, like he was never like a big like home run guy. Like he didn't let up a lot of home runs. Um, but, like his home runs per nine. Um for his career was like a 0.18 or sorry, a 0.8. And in 2016, it was a 2.6 in the 38 innings that he pitched. He let up 11 home runs and the four years that he, you know, pitched great was an all-star and won his two Cy Youngs. <laughs> like the, the two years he won as Cy Youngs, 2008, 2009, he let up 11 home runs and 10 home runs in 227 innings and 225 innings. In his last year, in 38 innings, he let up 11 home runs. So it just got real bad real quick. And he was done for whatever reason. Like, just rode off into the sunset. But so if that didn't happen, like if he didn't fall off the face of the earth and he continued to pitch, like there's no doubt at the route that he went, like he has stellar numbers and only pitched 10 years. So if he had a 20 year career and he hit the 200 win mark and he struck out 3000 guys, which there's no doubt he would have had he stayed healthy and continued to pitch. So you're like, all right, you know, do, does he, you know, I think it like, uh, say pools retired after he was with the Cardinals instead of going to the angels does he make the hall of fame with those numbers right there? Like that's it. Like just as 11 years with the Cardinals, is that enough to make the hall of fame? 
maybe. Right. That that's what I'm saying it's like that's where like I see Lincecum. Is that like was the you know the four really good them. years and the two additional years that were that were good just not great years. Does that six year bubble give him enough to get in having nothing else to go along with it? Like Pools now I think is a no doubter a Hall of Famer because you know he pieced together another 11 years or whatever after the fact they definitely weren't as good as the first 11 but he you know got to milestone home runs got to milestone rbis like and it was like the most consistent 10 years of any player you know and then you know off and on but he was able to get to the milestones which for most people is that guarantee um right it's like I think you would have seen an argument for him because it was 10 years with, and I think with pitchers, maybe in general, um, you might find an argument for like Lincecum just because like the four years of straight dominance isn't as much, but I think you see that out of pitchers less than you see it out of hitters. It's just harder to, I think, be dominant as a pitcher over time. For sure. I would agree with that. But yeah, so it'll just be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, and then like there's the handful of guys that were kind of in the league at the same time as Pujols that just kind of ducked out early and couldn't keep it going. So like to think that like Ryan Howard, Prince Fielder, Mark Teixeira, um, Justin Morneau, like these were the other, um, David Ortiz, like these were the other like top tier first baseman esque players when Pujols was kind of doing his thing, was in his prime. Um, these were the other guys, and they are now all up for the Hall of Fame, um, which means they've been out of the league for five years, and Pujols was just on a team, like, contributing in some manner um, for the Dodgers, who, you know, lost in the NLCS. So, like, taking meaningful at-bats, and the, like deep in the postseason, and these guys all retired five years ago. So like, I think that just like speaks to itself um, for like that consideration. Yeah, I just <clears throat> I hope that if Ortiz gets in. I hope that just so does Mark Teixeira. I, I'm not naive enough to think that A-Rod will get in because his name's just so tainted. I just yeah. don't think he'll... I don't think the writers will ever accept him, um, which is fine. I just don't want it to be like Ortiz gets in, but like neither of the Yankees do. And then I have to hear about that. It'd be fun with A-Rod too because he's such like a... Um, you know announcer on tv these right days. still and, still a voice uh, in the league yeah yeah, yeah like, they're gonna have to cover this in front of him one day <laughs> right like look. why like why do you think you got snubbed you know or like whenever because ortiz and Rod, a-rod typically are on the same panel together uh for espn and shit like that if like ortiz gets in but a-rod doesn't yep because uh, i know ortiz's name was certainly associated to peds but i don't think he had the positives like a-rod did or the nonsensical circus that he tried to go with like 
David Ortiz benefited from Alex Rodriguez being such a jackass during that time frame. And it might be might be reason why. Like, I feel like A-Rod kind of got told, like, hey, you just don't play baseball anymore. Like, we're parting ways with you. Um, and I feel like Ortiz is just like, nah, I'm going to get out before I get got. I'm not trying to be, be, what do you call it? Um, I don't know. From Crip Mac, what do you say? Oh, get, get, you get on. Uh, oh, you're not trying to be put on? Put on, put on. That's what it was. Yeah, he was like, I, I better just retire before I get put on. Yeah, you keep it at 55th Street. <laughs> so. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so so we'll see. Um, uh, I think it's amazing that we say this every time before we start recording when we have nothing to talk about. That it'll probably be a short episode, and we're at an hour and forty minutes right now. Yeah, I mean it could be a short episode, you know. So that's how it is. Yeah, there, there's just other things we haven't talked about that we maybe like would have addressed and not so much in depth type stuff, but yeah. we'll see. Um, Everyone fingers crossed that COVID doesn't ruin the NHL season. They're sure. going into a holiday break early. They had, I think, one game tonight. There's two tomorrow that they're going to play. But then everyone else, they're just shutting down till after the holidays. Uh, the Blues were supposed to play tonight, I believe, in somewhere. I forget. I don't think it was at Winnipeg. Winnipeg. I think they just played Winnipeg and did not look good. Binner's first game back. Um, no, they were playing Ottawa tomorrow. And then I think they had one more game, maybe Edmonton at some point. Uh, Toronto. I just don't know what I'm talking about at all. Um, so yeah, those two yeah, games. Yeah, they were games in Canada for sure. Yeah, those two games got postponed in Canada. So hopefully taking shutting down, recool the Jets. Um just figure things out, get COVID under control and get hopefully the, the league will continue on. You know, um, yeah. we're, we're like a month away from my trip to Seattle to see the blues first game at, against the Kraken in Seattle. Seattle's coming here January 13th. So that's right around the corner. I just don't want games to be like, Hey, we can't have, I guess I'm not as worried about here. I mean, technically I've already paid for tickets to every game with the season tickets, so that would kind of suck. But I know they will refund me money because I've already had to deal with this once. Um, but I would be more bummed about the trip to Seattle and then not getting to to witness the main focus for the reason why we're making the trip. Um, so hopefully, you know, just positive news from that. Um, and then I guess if you want to, uh, to wrap things up, our, our final topic, um, fancy football kind of coming to a close. Um, yep. So I'm finally out in the, uh, in the lowest points scored in your out league. I went out fifth place. Um, so RIP to the D where's P, um, hard fought battle. We'll come back next year. Strong. And currently, uh, in the first week of playoffs in the Big Money League, uh, 
I'm currently losing, uh, so I got a couple players tomorrow night because the NFL's pushed some games back to Tuesday. Um, so we'll see where it's at. I'm definitely in striking distance. I have like probably the number one wide receiver going tomorrow uh, in all football. So um, big hopes, big ups, um, and hopefully that'll be week one. And then you know we're trying to get on our way to win that fourteen hundred. So how many guys make the playoffs in the big money league? Six. And so, so I guess top two get first round buys. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you said you were like uh, the number four seed, right? So you yeah, said? I played. Yeah, I played five, and then three played six. Gotcha. So you're three wins away. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. one at a time. So with the with the survivor league. Um, with the lowest points to go home, like, was it close? Was it like a heartbreak defeat? Super close. So, uh, going into like the Monday night game, I had, um, I had Arizona's running back and Travis had Arizona's quarterback. And, uh, I had, I was down like a couple points, not too many, but a couple points. Uh, I need to make up some points, um, and then, you know, surpass him. And, by like I don't know halfway to like sometime in the third quarter, I had finally done that, and I I ended up really losing on pretty much like the last drive of the game. His quarterback, you know, got a couple more points than the running back did, and he ended up winning by a couple points. Now I had a wide receiver on my bench, you know, if I would have put him in, but I didn't look at his bench, so um, it was very close. It came down to the Monday night. Um, I guess that's all you can ask, and and I think it's a lot of fun that like who your competition was, was a buddy, you know, yeah. like I'm not like you might know everyone in the league, like in my fancy league, for example, like for me, anyone I play in the finals, it's someone that I'm friends with, but you know, the guy that kind of brought you into this league being the guy that like, that's who you were competing with. Yeah. There's uh, 18 people in this. I only, uh, I only know two other people in it. You know, I've met probably like one or two more, um, at the sports book they've come along, but other than that, but yeah, so so exactly. It's like it being like, you know, granted, in the week you went out, three other guys also beat you other than Travis, but yeah. you were battling with Travis for like f- being fourth instead of fifth. <laughs> yeah, not being low score. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's all that mattered. Like, hey, who cares what the other three guys did? Yeah, yep, yeah, agreed. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, like I said, the, the big money league still wrapping up. So we'll, uh, couple more updates on that and hopefully you know pocketbook's a little a little larger at the end of the day cool yeah I'm, I'm sure i'll have a a conversation with travis here in the near future um just to solidify his invite and everything into the league i finally have all the finances paid up um so everyone has been paid out and has paid in um for the league so now it'll be, uh, I'm waiting on one final decision, um, from Zach, which I'm giving him to the end of the year. Uh, so get through the holidays and whatnot. I, I kind of played like the, the guilt trip card. Cause I was like, well, if you don't come back, I was like, hopefully we keep in touch. I've known Zach since we were much younger. Um, you know, so I'm like, hopefully like, you know, we find something else to do. Cause it's really the only interaction I have with you right now. Um, so, you know, I like 
try to engage more. I can try to make the league more fun. Right. That's always my first question whenever anyone says that they're not going to come back. It's like, is there something that could have been done differently? Like, you know, what's your reasoning for leave? Like, if you have ideas or thoughts on how it could be better, I'm happy to hear them out because uh, it's super relevant to me. That's the whole purpose of the winter meeting that no one utilizes. I shouldn't say no one, but the figurative no one. Um, but yeah, so we're... I know at this point there's two guys that are dropping and potentially a third. Um, so I, Travis seems very interested from what you've talked to me about. So it seems like it, like I'm, I know I'm not going to have anyone on there. Um, I know my brother has talked to me about a couple of his buddies. One of them is actually the guy that, uh, this guy Fred, it was his league that Kurt brought me into that was kind of like the the catalyst to creating my league um, because I just didn't felt I, I didn't feel like I had a say in whatever like I was just kind of along for the ride and I, we were in that league for like two years I think before we before I was like I'm not going to come back because I had my league up and running at that point but after one year I was like I was like this is awesome and I could do it so much better <laughs> so I created a league so, yeah. And so here we are, you know, I think we're, this will be year number 13, I think, coming up. So it's been around for a bit now, getting up there in age, about to be a teenager. Oh, true. But, uh, if so, a birthday party. But yes, I don't, I don't know if have anybody else that, uh, that you might know that, you know, fancy sports is kind of their thing. Um, any viewers out there, you know? Yeah, um, that interested. might that might be interested. Um, might take a viewer submission. It, it, if anyone people ever hit us say, up on Twitter, it would probably be a big, you know. Yeah, step. people say it's a. Uh, it takes a lot. I I don't think that. I don't think it is overly taxing. Um, but I look at baseball on a daily basis, so just one of those seven days, I have to set my lineup. Seems simple enough. Um, yeah, it's not really – it's not that bad because for – I mean, you do something for like a couple days. Like there's – you know, you might, you might want to try to make some moves for your bench and other than that. But like it's as involved as you want to make it, I think. Yeah, and, and there's – I and that's why I like the – I like like the non-waiver line type stuff. Like if the guy's available, you can just grab him and you can instantly do it. It's like you can make those changes when you have time. You don't have to wait to see what happens and then pay attention like, oh, I didn't get that guy. So now I just don't have anyone, you know, whatever, blah. So I, I like the flexibility of it just being so quick. And people, I think, have impulse buys um, and they'll pick a guy up and then they'll change their mind the next day. So they'll drop him and get somebody else or they'll pick somebody up and then something will, there'll be an additional news that comes out and he won't get called up. But they try to like preemptively pick him up because he was expected to get called up and then CBS was wrong. So then guys drop him and it like weasels money out of people. And I think that that's funny. It happens to me a lot. Like I'm super aggressive and the, uh, the free agency pool. That's why I spent $50 in transactions this year to not make the playoffs. <laughs> so, uh, granted like nine of that was trades but I digress. I made a ton of moves and they very rarely paid off. It's because my rotation was garbage all year, basically. 
Because my best, everyone got hurt. I think my really best overall pickup was, um, well, either Luis Garcia or Jaime Caliendo or Caliendaire. Candelario. Yeah, Candelario. Yeah. yeah, from Detroit. Yeah, I think one of those two would probably be my, my best waiver wire pickups. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, the other thing I've kicked around is if I can't get to 16, because um, fairness in the league kind of hedges on there being 16 teams. So I thought about like the possibility of there being like a just like a league owned team that's like it like basically would be on like a, an auto draft algorithm that I would like everyone would know how it's going to pick based off what sheet ahead of time. And then it would just be like um, it'll play like best lineup available in terms of point total. So like it would just be very computerized, very automated and how decisions were. Um, and if in any week that it would um, like if there was a point in time that it won or lost the rumble, like it would it would just try to even out. You know, like hopefully it just wouldn't win or lose any money and it would be fine. Um, but if it ended up like owing 10 bucks or whatever, then I would just figure out how to accommodate for that. So everyone's still got their same payouts. Um, and then anything at one, it would just like go towards you know, draft day funds or whatever. Like, it would be crazy if it ended up winning the league. That would be the big thing I'd have to account for. <laughs> it's like, what uh, what would happen there? But, so I've thought about that. Because I, I worry that I'll, I'll be able to find three guys to join the league. Um, two, I'm not as nervous about, because I know I have Travis. I said there's a couple other names that have been thrown out to me, but getting the three guys, I feel like could be iffy. A little harder. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that Zach will stay. I would like Zach to stay a, cause I like him. He's a buddy and it would make my life easier to not have to replace him. Um, but I, like I said, I kicked around like the, the automated team aspect. Like, Hey, there's just this team that, you know, is a part of the league that I'll manage, but I don't actually control. So, like, it would be, it would only make moves if there's injuries. Um, you know, it would keep its roster, like, full. Like, I would just make sure it has a legal roster and whatnot so it, if anything it would probably be a better team than some of the teams that are out there <laughs> um like the I've, automated team would pick up the player i need i'd be pissed yeah i've thought about like it just wouldn't be allowed to make any draft pick trades um and any trade like player trades that it would be involved in would just be an open forum vote it's like all 16 owners would get to say or i guess you know the 15 or 14 other owners um, would get a vote on if it would be accepted or not. But, uh, 
Yeah, we can bring it up in the winter meeting. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, we'll hopefully, I, we'll yeah, hopefully it just doesn't need to happen. But like I said, those will be things that I, I will tackle come the come the new year. Um, I usually get through, like, once the calendar switches, I have, like, a whole rigmarole. Like, I'll find a, a Sunday, and that's what it'll be is, like, positioning, like, getting all of my templates moved over for, like, created for 2022, and everything squared away. It's a whole process, and I'm super nerdy, and I love it, so. Yeah, okay. Um, but, yeah, so other than that, any any topics that you wanted to cover or anything like that? No, not, not particular. All right, all right. Um, nope, nope, so cool. Nope. nope. <clears throat> um, in terms of like next recording, I would imagine it'll probably just be played by ear. Um, if there's, you know, what I know, it's like I know we're we're on vacation from work, but it's following the Christmas weekend, and then it's the New Year. Um, so I don't, I don't know what you have going on. So I imagine it'll probably be dependent on if we have time or if we feel up to it, or if there's anything we feel like talking about. Um, so I would, it might be a week or two again before we record possibly, but we'll, we'll see. Um, if you were unhappy with the two week hiatus, you know, three weeks between episodes blow us up on (laughs) Twitter We'll try to make that not happen, but you gotta you gotta blow us up on Twitter first. Yeah, um, but we'll we'll see. Like I said, we we knew we were the possibility of taking weeks off, and then you just happened to be sick, so yeah, we're out of commission for a couple of days. Not COVID though, no yeah, no not COVID. COVID. Officially tested, not not COVID. But cool, yeah. So until next time, whenever that may be, as always, um, stay cool, and we will see you then. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.